0: I've been called lost words. Okay. To I hadn't uh, come intending to give a presentation, so I have no charts. <coughs> but I've got a couple of interesting stories. My, my involvement with QSO VSO is a little different from some. Uh, over the past five years, I've had three five-month assignments in East Africa. One in uh, Uganda, working in Kampala and a been in Nairobi, and then two in northwestern Tanzania. I got involved with the coffee business. I spent almost 30 years in the oil business, so I'm just an old business guy who knows about oil. But I got involved in the coffee business, and um, ended up working in northwest Tanzania with, in a small town called Bukova on the western shore of Lake Victoria, with groups of smallholder farmers. The these context is a little different from Accra or whatever. There's there's a quarter million AIDS orphans in this one corner of Tanzania. Smallholder farmers are basically subsistence farmers. They struggle to feed their families and have always struggled to feed their families. There's no running water in the villages. There's no power in the villages. Most of them have, been, have never been to a bank of any kind, <coughs> microfinance or otherwise. Most of them haven't been more than 20 miles away from the villages that they live in. Very intelligent people, very hard-working people. But you, get, you can get so far down in this life that you don't know which way is up, and I. they all grow coffee as their only cash crop, and the cash crop has been totally ignored for the last 30 years for a variety of complicated socio-political reasons, and um, I was able to bring some coffee knowledge from my previous placements and some business insights and work with these people and create a a project which will improve the income from their coffee by a factor of between five and eight times within six years, which is huge for your only cash crop. I was very fortunate. I stumbled into a circumstance that was sort of low-hanging fruit or whatever you you wish to say. The village that it's in is um, one of hundreds of similar villages, so it has lots of lateral scale-up potential. Um, So I had an extraordinarily rewarding a uh, place which I'm still involved with. I'm advising them from the distance. I'm fundraising. I'm doing some work with the Gates Foundation on some little things as a result of my QSO VSO experience, which is way cool. as <laughs> <It's> my buddies <laughs> from California, would say. Two little stories. One's about push, and one's about thermometers. Um, some people will talk in a politically correct way about how these folks that you're working with in a developing country, they know exactly what they need and they know how to get it, they just need help. That may be true in a lot of cases. It was not true where I was. Uh, They'd been down for so long, they didn't know the opportunities that were associated with their coffee. So the way I would describe my role was bringing these farmers and the staff from the NGO, which was the lay apostle of the Catholic Church, bringing them to the edge of their comfort zone. You can't take people outside their comfort zone, or it's completely dysfunctional. If all you do is go to be a friend with people, you'll come back having accomplished rather little sometimes. So, a particular situation I was in, and it's not a generalization, I had to push a little bit. So, I've been there for about a month, and the young, the lady I was working with is an agronomist, a university graduate. Unusual in Africa. 30, single, gorgeous. Uh, and very intelligent, and we got along very well. But she came to me and said, Mr. James, that's what they all called it. Mr. James, you know you know what we mean when we say push here? I said, oh Jerry, what do you mean? <laughs> we mean, pray until something happens. <laughs> well, she was serious. She was serious, right? Well, I said, well, Jerry, you know, we make a good team. You push in your way, I'll push in mine, and together we'll, we'll, we'll do well." well. By the time I left, five months later, um, of course as a result of my wonderful training and preparation from CUSO BSO, um, the biggest concern that the staff and the NGO had was that there wasn't going to be enough pushing from the people who were following on. So, interesting story about different definitions of push. (coughs) By the way, I also came back, my wife was there until high school for, for a few months. Between my two placements in Tanzania, first placement, I got to know three kids and their mom, three little kids who lived in a little hut behind my modest apartment. It adequate, it was modest, and while um, <clears throat> well, I was gone, their mom died, and they were headed to be street kids. So we have a connection in Bukobo which goes beyond the coffee business. These three kids are in a private residential school, which is run by the NGO that uh, I'm, work- I'm still working with from a distance, just because you come home doesn't mean you have to extract yourself from the situation that you've been helping. Um, It can have a very positive, ongoing uh, thing. Anyway, what did did I learn? I learned all kinds of things from these folks. I mean, as I said, they're hardworking and they're really intelligent. But, boy, opportunities are hard to come by. So, the biggest high-tech innovation in the coffee project is buying large truckloads full of cow shit and trucking it across northern Tanzania to make manure-based compost, to feed the coffee plants, to improve the yield in the low nutritional soils of East Africa. (coughs) They had cattle that they were, you have to be very wealthy to have a cow to make manure. And so they were showing me proudly how the manured, composted banana plants had twice the yield. Uh, And when I was first there, I looked at this and I said, what about your coffee plants? Well, everybody knows you can't do that because cows are expensive. Well, cows are expensive, but I said, well, how about there's a ranch over there with 10,000 cattle? You know, it's 70, 70 kilometers, it might as well be on the moon, okay? Same thing. Everybody knows you can't do that. Well, <coughs> turns out it was an extraordinarily profitable thing to do to bring manure in trucks, but when you've never been in a bank, you struggle to feed your kids, as did your parents and your grandparents, you've never had any business training, you're born and raised in a socialist country, it's no wonder that. Common was, everybody knows you can't do that. So anyway, we're making manure-based compost, which is rather an interesting technical exercise that I got a, a good lesson in. And you layer, and you don't, I asked her how thick the layers were in this thing. I said, how many inches thick are they? Well, they don't use rulers. There are no measuring tapes in the villages. So it's how many hands thick are the layers, which is fine. It works. So there's layers of dirt, and there's layers of manure, and layers of green stuff. And you repeat that. You cover this mound, which is maybe two and a half meters long by a meter high by two meters wide, with straw, <coughs> and you let it cook. And Jerry was explaining this to me very proudly. She's an agronomist, and this is what was changing the farmer's lives. And she kept on talking about how important the thermometer was. Temperature control, the thermometer. So I'm sitting there, I'm listening to this, and I'm, uh, uh, thermometer, you know, glass tube, mercury, that's what a thermometer is, right? So she's going on with this high-tech dissertation, and I'm looking for the thermometer. And finally, and we're at the banana fields, of course. Uh, I had to say, Jerry, I, I can't see any thermometer. So, oh, she says, well, it's right there. She walks over, and there's a one-inch, three-foot-long bamboo stake She's stuck into the pile of manure. She pulls this out, I'm looking at this, and she says, it's totally fit-for-purpose engineering. No, I, my, my comment is it's a totally fit-for-purpose engineering solution, because after three weeks, they pull the stake out. They pitch the end of it. If it burns their fingers, they've got to turn the whole pile over. If it gets too hot, it kills all the bugs that do the good stuff. If it's only warm, the thermometer's done its job. So here's me, all my great knowledge from the developed world and my business skills and everything. I couldn't find the thermometer in the pile of manure-based compost. I just thought it was, I thought it was pretty funny. So, So, it is, it is absolutely true that you learn a huge amount from the people that you're working with over there, and I was really privileged to have been involved and to continue to be involved. Um, If anybody's interested in learning more about the project, it's on a United Nations website called S-E-E-D-I-N-I-T dot org. It won a top prize in a worldwide competition uh, in 2009, which has given it some profile and allowed me to attract some funding even though fundraising would not be my chosen career. <laughs> it's a very frustrating thing. But I'm continuing to work on that and bring money to the project. We have about $120,000 that is funding the initial village. And with success there, I suspect we'll be able to lever that into the lateral scale. And so um, if anybody has any questions or anything, there's 100 other stories that I could tell that of varying shades of appropriateness here. But I get in trouble with Amita every time I stand up and talk. No. Thank you, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, not even a bit. So we're not allowed to ask him? Yes. The yeah, yeah, one thing that got in trouble for You can ask me. Oh, can I tell him what I got in trouble for? <laughs> From me? Yeah. I basically stood up in front of a group like this Uh-oh. and said that I thought, I thought the problems in the assessment day were diabolically designed. Whoa. No, no, no. That wasn't <laughs> that was <laughs> it. wasn't it. It wasn't was you, you. Somebody <laughs> else. They're, they're, they're beautiful. They're beautiful.